This, this is the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Find us on air, online, on mobile, and on your smart speaker. Please subscribe at ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Now, here's the host of Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Nick Miles. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast. This is America's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on mobile, or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with Truck Girl Jen. How's your week of isolation been? I am not isolated, technically. Oh, no. I'm you're an a, essential worker. You're an essential business. I am. Um, on the side, your part time, your second job. My first job? No, no, this is your first job. <laughs> You're, you're, you're nine to five. What are you doing? Um, I make hydraulic hoses and brake lines and fuel lines to keep America running. Yeah, truck is running. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was talking to a, a friend of mine who does PR for a trucking company uh, or trucking charity who was telling me that they're trying to raise money for health care for truckers because if truckers go down, don't think you're going to be able to get any goods or services. I mean, you're not going to get parts for anything. You're not going to get food. Amazon's going to be out of everything. And Walmart's going to be out. You know, all the major stores are going to be out. If Truckers of America uh, get sick from COVID-19, we're all in super huge trouble. Mm -hmm. And so they're trying to raise money. And what they do, and we're probably going to get them on to talk about this a little more, what they do is they raise money to cover the medical bills of truckers who fall sick when they're out of coverage area. So many truckers just have coverage area in certain states. Insurance that says, hey, it works in Rhode Island, it works in New York, it works in Chicago, Seattle, you know, Oregon, Washington, Illinois, wherever you might be. It works in those states, but it doesn't work outside of those states as some healthcare systems work. And so if the trucker gets sick while they're shipping stuff to Alabama, which they don't normally do, taking masks to uh, some company or bring them to Seattle or Chicago or or Oregon from somewhere like uh, Mississippi, and they don't normally go in Mississippi and they get sick, how do they get medical attention? Well, this trucking company, this trucking organization uh, raises money to cover their medical bills awesome. while they're out of state. So I think that's probably going to be necessary. Uh, wow, what a world. This show uh, today is going to be probably one of the most powerful shows that you're ever going to hear from us. I uh, hope I'm setting the bar pretty high. Um, <laughs> listen, truck companies, car companies, uh, manufacturing companies are idle. They are shut down. Nothing is happening as far as making trucks are concerned. But they're not sitting on their laurels. They're up and making ventilators. We're going to talk to both Ford and General Motors today about ventilator manufacturing, about uh, respirator manufacturers that are going to be using their facility. They are now supporting the front line of medical equipment in the United States. We're going to talk to them in depth about that. But to give you a little bit of a relief um, from the COVID-19, which I'm sure you have been hearing incessantly about on your broadcast systems over the last few weeks, we're going to talk about fun. The Jaguar F-Type is new for 2021. We get to talk to the guy who is in charge of planning that vehicle, Rob uh, Filippico. Phil, how do we say his last name? 
Phil Philipovic. Philipovic, I do remember. Uh, Jeff Zerchby going to join us, and he's going to talk about taking care of your vehicle. Many people's vehicles are just sitting in the drive. I have car covers over several of mine. Vehicles sitting in the driveway doing nada. But is that the right thing to do? Should you think about doing some kind of maintenance? I will tell you, if you have an expensive vehicle, like a nice luxury SUV or sedan, don't be disconnecting the battery until you know what that's going to do to the vehicle. Uh, State travel restrictions. We're going to talk about that, what you can do, where you can go, and what you can't do. Uh, We're also going to talk to Anton Wallman. He is going to tell us about some of the latest happenings in the automotive industry. But, Jen, I have to say I have the perfect vehicle to get away from it all right now in my driveway. I'm still getting car deliveries from car companies and test driving vehicles. Uh, the, The Nissan Frontier... Uh, has a new transmission, has a new engine, um, is been tuned up for 2020, and and is less than twenty thousand uh, dollars. But it's too small for you. <laughs> I mean, it's the right price range, but you you like a bigger truck. I do. I like a bigger truck. You like the Titan. I like to fit. Yes, I like the Titan a lot. Which is the double size of the Frontier. Yeah. I think the fact the Frontier... It's like a mini truck. (laughs) I like the fact that the Frontier starts at under $20,000 for a brand new truck. Which is amazing. Well, many trucks are $90,000 nowadays. I know. One, two, three. You could buy four, four, maybe five, (laughs) if you were buying a $100,000 truck. Uh, You know, the base models. Mm -hmm. Um, Those, of course, $100,000 trucks are not the base models. I've also been driving the Honda CR-V, the regular touring version. Pretty plush, by the way. I noticed that Mazda started this trend. Mazda? Mazda? I say Mazda, you say Mazda. Mazda. Uh, Mazda started this trend where they are making the top end of their vehicle very luxury. Uh, so, you know, you, the touring trim in the Honda CRV, it has nice wood on the inside. Wait a second. This is a bit fancy pants for a Honda CRV. Uh, it also has a lot of uh, high end tech, which I'm super surprised at. Uh, it's a great drive, although I do like a six cylinder. One of the problems with driving, I have an eight, my regular daily drive is a Lexus GX 2000 and I think 16 Lexus GX. It's a V8 motor in it. Mm-hmm. What a beast, baby. I love it. Uh, that is a great big beast. And then when I jump into something that has a four cylinder, <laughs> it's a little bit like wop, wop, It's a uh, I'm and now my, you know why I like the bigger trucks. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I guess if I was driving a four-cylinder every day, I would be fine with driving I have a six-liter, so... Six-liter? Yeah. V8. Eight-cylinder, eight yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, I love <laughs> I love when someone tries to be really, you know, crass and try to, like, pull up in front of you, you know, and then they slow way down, and it's like, come on, I have a V8. I just go around them. It's just funny. Um. So you like to belittle people? No, I just like to go around the slow ones. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look at me. I'm truck old Jan in my big, big Chevy. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you uh, you race people off of the, the on-ramp, don't you? No, what never. Needs to be That's done on your, What needs to be done on your truck right now? Uh, I need to work on the brakes, and I want to... You know, <laughs> if you race people away on the on-ramp, let me just tell you, I hope your brakes work. They work just fine. Coming up, we're going to talk to uh, 
Todd Huvener, he is the Director of Advanced Strategy and Planning at Ford. They're making respirators. We're going to find out what's going on over at Ford in Michigan next on Our Auto Expert. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show on our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear the past shows, see our automotive videos, read inside a car, stories about your next ride, and you'll find it all at ourautoexpert.com. Manufacturing facilities across the United States are sitting idle. The auto industry is shut down, and the best laid plans for reopening those factories have fallen through due to the evolving COVID-19 pandemic. But some companies have stepped up to help save lives during this crisis. Medical equipment, which is in short supply, is now being made by car companies. Ford is leading the charge in its manufacturing plants by stepping up to help with the shortage of those supplies. Todd Havener is the Director of Advanced Strategy and Planning for Ford. Now, Todd, just tell me, does it sound like uh, this is a long way from building America's best-selling truck for Ford? Uh, You know, it is, and it is, and obviously... um we're learning the medical industry and and what it takes to uh, provide uh, medical supplies. But um, you know, when it comes to engineering or, or manufacturing, you can kind of put in object, and then the team has uh, the base expertise. So it is um, in some cases easier than building a vehicle with over two thousand parts in it. I mean, a face shield is three parts, um, but we have to in some cases like uh, with the Ventilator, we had to reverse engineer it just so we could define a, a most um, streamlined uh, production process. So I would like to have seen the face of your mechanical engineers when you walked into a meeting and you said, all right, guys, we're going to build ventilators. Well, how did that go yeah. down? But, you know, um, it's an interesting thing. I think all of us as automotive engineers or people in the company that are working in manufacturing, even the supply, uh, our, our purchasing colleagues, we're, we're very ingrained in the automotive process and how it works. So when something like this comes up, it's 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 met with a lot of uh, curiosity and, and self-motivation, especially because everybody is aware of the pandemic. So it's not like I have to go and ask for volunteers. We've got an overabundance of volunteers and people willing to work on this stuff or wanting to volunteer their time. And, and a lot of it is because it's it's new and it's different and it piques their curiosity of, of, of actually designing and building something that they've never done before. So um, it, it's really uh, based on that curiosity that we're getting a lot of innovation and, and volunteers. Presumably you have strict quality controls for when these are finally assembled. I mean, somebody who knows these machines intimately is probably checking out that they're exactly the way they want them to be. Oh, exactly. I mean, we're working with the FDA and NIOSH to get those approvals. We're relying on uh, 3M's expertise on the on the PPE side, and then uh, GE Healthcare on the ventilator side. I mean, they're they're guiding us. Um, we're just essentially um, taking our expertise and scaling production um, in higher volumes very quickly. So, I think with the two, the mashing of the two, it's a uh, it's a good partnership to then uh, bring these things uh, as quickly as possible. Todd, I'm looking at the press release which came out from Ford on March 30th, 
uh, from the Dearborn, Michigan office that shows the way that you're going to ramp up the production of these men, uh, ventilators. Your production plan, uh, of course, you know, we I was thinking, well, maybe you'd get to somewhere like 500 or so of these ventilators coming out, which will obviously uh, help immensely uh, a month or so. But I'm looking at numbers where you're going to be able to produce up to 75,000 of these things. Yeah, well, we've uh, we will have um, uh, about fifteen hundred by the end of April, so that's good. And then it ramps up from there. And then we've advised the government that we'd have fifty thousand in in the hundred days. So this was the uh, the, the quest from uh, the Trump administration to get a hundred ventilators, hundred thousand ventilators in a hundred days. So we're looking to do fifty thousand. And then the seventy five number you're talking about is is as we then start ramping up, we will start getting upwards of uh, thirty thousand ventilators per month. Uh, starting in July, uh, if the need still uh, is there, I'm I'm thinking about. Uh, I was thinking about this as a life-saving piece of equipment that we are needing right now in our hospitals, in our medical centers. But you've really been, you know, manufacturing equipment that saves lives anyway for years it's not that foreign for you really because in the case of an accident or the case of an emergency uh, you're building f-150s to protect lives and this is at the same time equipment that protects lives as well oh exactly obviously a little bit different we do a lot of active and passive safety as you know in our vehicles Um, this discrete equipment and you know, like the ventilator is is there specifically, um, and that's why we te- uh, teamed with Aeron. It's it's a simpler design. It's purely pneumatic, so there's no electricity to it. It it'll handle a majority of the cases. Obviously, if someone needs the most intensive care, they may need a different kind of ventilator. But in the absence of nothing, um, this is an outstanding ventilator to have. And then as far as other lives, uh, you know, the PPE, I'm happy to say that as of today, we will have shipped um, one million face shields um, to our hospital um, employees, nurses and staff, as well as first responders. And then we're um, scaling up from there. Is there um, anything that the, the the public can do to help Ford in its task? I mean, it, these stories are fascinating, but for us that are uh, on home, you know, homebound that can't do anything, uh, we're reading about these stories. Um, but but what does Ford need that the public can do? Well, I know the Ford Fund has issued a, um, a statement relative to donations, and I think Bill Ford is is basically matching that um, to help out monetarily. Um, and then even in the southeast Michigan area where we are building the face shields and so forth, we have um, a volunteer network to um, to provide time basically to come in and make shields. Um, obviously, we practice the protocols. Each station is six feet apart. People are wearing um, the personal protective equipment while they're making face shields, as an example. But um, I think they can just reach out to our uh, through our Ford um website and on there i think there is a covid 19 um, um, spot to um, a volunteer what does this look like in the future 
because, uh, you know, I'm thinking that this is great, but Ford really needs to get back to making vehicles at some point because I'm looking at the stocks at dealers, even though sales are dramatically down up to 50% for some manufacturers. Uh, you know, is there some point in which you will have made enough ventilators that we need and you'll go back to making trucks, cars and SUVs? Well, uh, of course, we we want to get back into the auto business as quickly as possible. So, uh, obviously, uh, you've seen curves depending on state and even globally of when the uh, the surge or the peak is occurring for the pandemic. Um, this equipment is there to help help um, to bring that down and stabilize it. I think once that happens naturally, then the the normal providers of this medical equipment will have uh, enough supply to meet demand. And then hopefully as it gets better, we can then start turning our efforts back to building products uh, like, like the S-Series you mentioned. Uh, we are not looking to be in the long-term nature of building uh, medical supplies. So this is clearly a temporary venture to, um, to stem the tide and, and, you know, react to the call for arms to help, help um, bring this pandemic uh, under control. Todd, in the last 30 days, what are you most proud of? You know, let me let me shorten that. In the last two weeks, and we, we keep a daily counter, in the last 14 days, I'm most proud that um, we've been able to scale up many different efforts, whether we have engineers going to 3M or, or GE um, current production facilities to Im improve, help with collaboratively with them to uh, improve their current production, as well as come up with designs, designs like a face shield, as well as we're working on other aspects with the ventilator, and then start having uh, solid production plans. We've, we've done that in two weeks. And the fact that today we've shipped cumulatively a million face shields is, is, is pretty extraordinary, given that two weeks ago we were all working on our day jobs. Todd, America's proud of you. Thank you for contributing to uh, what may be a life saver or will be a life-saving strategy over at Ford. Todd Havener is the Director of Advanced Strategy and Planning at Ford. They are now making ventilators, respirators, and face masks, saving lives in America because of the COVID-19 pandemic. More Our Auto Expert to come. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert podcast. Our Auto Expert is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can start a conversation with us, ask us a question, direct message us at Our Auto Expert. We've got plenty to tell you. Uh, the things that you miss while we're in a news break, uh, Jen calling uh, the state Goklahoma, which is, I think, is probably a first. I'm not sure. Why did you need, feel the need to call it Goklahoma? No, I was trying to read like two things to you at once, and it just came out that way. Goklahoma is Goklahoma. a new state. It's the 51st state in the United States. <laughs> Uh, if you are planning to travel between states, make sure you know where you're going to and where you're coming from and the states in between. If it's absolutely necessary for you to go from A to B, uh, you might want to check what some of those local state rules are because they vary from state to state. Jen has a list. Uh, Jen, it's not just as easy as getting in the car and driving. No, it's not anymore. Um, what are the, some of the most interesting states that have restrictions? Oklahoma. Go Oklahoma. Go Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, they've actually put a, a requirement that anybody from the following states, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, California, Louisiana, Washington, must go, under, must go in, into a 14-day quarantine period 
before entering the state. I guess they will just read your license plate as you come through. <laughs> Maybe. Um, I don't know. That's one of the one of them. Uh, as you travel from state to state, I mean, you may have a sick relative that you may need, may need to go visit. Uh, you should be staying at home. But if you absolutely have to travel for emergency purposes uh, to get a kid home from school or something like that because their school is closed, you need to check very carefully about each state that you're going to go through and e where you're going to come from because there are restrictions on state to state. Uh, I was surprised that there was talk early on of closing borders between certain states. But mm -hmm. it hasn't happened between Oregon and Washington. It hasn't happened around Illinois yet, even though there's a discussion about, you know, you have to go into quarantine if you're from certain states with high, uh, high infection rates. Traveling is more complicated than it's ever been. It has been. And, uh, you know, we're the lucky ones. You know, we're Washington, Oregon. <laughs> so basically everybody's got restrictions on us. Yeah. I mean, so, on Washington anyway. Well. You, you came into Oregon, though. And... <laughs> You're just as infected as we are. <laughs> oh, 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 now we're doing the state-by-state -state battle. Uh, it, it's been an interesting time. Uh, it, I recently experienced the curbside delivery in my vehicle. So your vehicle is, you know, your obviously your your quarantine, your personal quarantine. Mm -hmm. uh, I've experienced going to pick things up, which you no longer could. We've done it a few times uh, with food or with supplies. A few times, uh, for instance, I went to buy electric parts for my studio. Um, I'm doing my live TV broadcast from home, which is a different. Mm -hmm. It's different. Completely you know. different. I'll tell you what's the hard thing. I could be in the middle of the doing the news from home. And I get a bone dropped in my leg. I was going to say the dogs are barking. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, good morning, COVID-19. Oh, there's a bone in my leg. <laughs> uh, so it's it's kind of interesting. Although very rarely, Sam is the one that will drop my chocolate Labrador, who will be uh, five in May. He is the one that likes to drop bones in my lap while I'm reading the news. The interesting thing is he's the only one that does it. Like uh, the German Shepherd, Winnie, mm -hmm. uh, Arwen, she'll come up and nudge my elbow occasionally. She wants a pet. And once you give her a pet for two minutes. But but Labradors are incessant while you're uh, Of course. Yeah, he is just like, you saw it well, this morning when you came over the house. So we ride over to the station together for the broadcast. When you came over the house, he will not leave me alone. And he likes to do this thing where he brings his bone up. I'm in the middle of broadcasting. He brings his bone up and he'll hit me with it and then pull it away so I can't grab it. So chunk, chunk, chunk. it's like, hey, catch me if you can. Well, you know, I am a cat girl. I have my two uh, truck Siberians. Girl, truck girl Jen is a cat girl. Yeah, I have two Siberians. And uh, my cat decided to call somebody in the middle of the night. Oh. My phone was ringing at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, I didn't call anybody. And I look over and my cat had hit the button and called one of my coworkers. <laughs> Great. Did they answer? No, I hung up really fast. <laughs> <laughs> Have they called back? Not yet. All right. I'm waiting for that. Uh, the new term, no longer butt dial, cat dial. Mm -hmm. That's what you're going to get. <laughs> uh, well, the weird things that happen to us at home. I get the uh, press cars delivered uh, from the automakers on a regular basis. And uh, the the it's interesting. They sanitize everything down on the inside. They hand you the key inside a uh, in, in a wipe, a wet wipe which is a desanitized uh, wet wipe. It's it's an interesting process. I'm kind of uh, 
you know, I think they're very brave. They're doing a yes. great job having those vehicles delivered. Yes, they are. All right. What do we got coming up on the show? We're going to give you a little COVID-19 relief, and we're going to talk to uh, Rob Filipovic. He is the head of Jaguar Product Planning. We're going to talk about the spectacular, beautiful, desirable new F-Type. My other half, my spouse wants one of these. They're be- they are just amazing vehicles. Yeah. I don't have that Powerful. Kind of, I don't have that kind of budget, however. Mm. Also, what are you going to do with your car if it needs to be stored? It's coming up on Our Auto Expert. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Thinking about uh, buying a new car or changing your car, read some of the important car reviews at Our Auto Expert. The videos are there from all of our news TV segments and the latest car and technology information. You can also download the Nation's Car Radio podcast, which is this show. And you could be listening to all the previous episodes. I don't know how long we'll be doing this show, Jen? Oh, well, seven, seven years eight, for me. Yeah, like 10 years, 15 years. of. There's a lot of uh, stuff up there you can listen to. There you is. You get knee-deep into it. And you can make fun of us. We won't know. <laughs> that's not, that's not going to help. They do that anyway. Uh, I have uh, enjoyed various uh, Jaguar and Land Rover products over my lifetime in my garage. Mm -hmm. And I was extremely excited at the Chicago International Auto Show to see the brand new uh, F-Type, which was there. And luckily enough, I've been badgering uh, Jen to get somebody on from Jaguar, and she did. Uh, But it's my my old pal, uh, Rob uh, Filipovic, who is the head of Jaguar product planning uh, for the new F-Type. Hey, listen. This is spectacular, this brand new F-Type. Are you as excited with it as we are? Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those that I'm so excited that now it's finally on the road as well. Um, so it's going to be a fun summer. The you know, the F-Type has been uh, one of those cars I have been badgered, by the way, to buy one for my household. I, every time I want to buy a car, I mean, I'm told, no, you can't have that. But the one car I could walk in and buy tomorrow is the new F-Type because my spouse is uh, absolutely in love with it and wants to everything. I think since we drove the very first one that came out uh, with the with the F-Type that uh, we've really liked it. What are you going to say, Jen? If you could have any Jaguar, Jaguar car, which one would you want? Oh, probably the F-Type. Really? I want the Formula One. Oh, yeah, of course you do. <laughs> uh, so, so, Rob, tell us a little bit about the, the new F-Type because it's got some significant updates from the last uh, version of the car. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's, it's extremely exciting. I think it's one of those we were already thrilled, especially with the design. Um, but now we've gone and taken just about every panel on the exterior and updated it um, just to give it an even more aggressive, mo- lower look um, and just kind of continue to evolve the car as it get, goes through from year to year. Um, so almost every panel is new, all the front and rear bumpers, the, the biggest highlight probably being the new slimline headlights, uh, and we've gone to a much lower, wider grill, um, where we even eliminated the, the cross brace that was on the previous model year right. cars, um, just to open it up fully. It's it, it still maintains that sort of large uh, cat-like pounce, though, doesn't it? And it has a very muscular uh, back. Uh, the rear por- portion of the car still looks like uh, all the power is sitting back there. Absolutely. I think it's one of those, we, we talk about those hips or haunches, and, and those, those are one of the things that we absolutely didn't want to, to touch um, because I think it just gives the car such a great stance. 
um, that's almost unlike anything else you see on the road. The uh, the air intakes at the front obviously got a lot bigger, uh, but it's going to have um, it's going to have the same sort of engine styles as it's had in the past. Uh, still a two and a three liter, uh, three hundred and eighty horsepower, and depending on I guess the engine size. Yeah. So and and for engines, we've actually simplified them a bit for twenty twenty one. Um, so we've got that two liter, three hundred horsepower rear wheel drive. And then we can step up to a three-liter supercharged V6 with 380 horsepower and all-wheel drive. And then at the top now, we've got the supercharged V8, and that's putting a 575 horsepower connected to an all-wheel drive system. Um, you may have known it from the F-Type SVR from years past. Oh, yeah. um, and now we've taken that powertrain and that suspension and brought it down into the regular R. Oh, so it's get oh, that, I'm I'm liking that even more. Uh, let me ask you this: <laughs> the, Do we still have the uh, the exhaust button on the inside, and does it still sound amazing? Of course we do. That's that's one of those features that I've I've been in love with from day one of F Type, um, and it's one of those things you you will not see that go anywhere. Um, it, it's I think one of the best sounding cars on the road and, and in the world. And that's one of those things we absolutely held on to as we went into 2021. I think one of the things I like the most is there is some great pictures online where they can compare the 20 uh, and 21 and you can see the changes in the front. It's you know so much more sexy. Even though the proportions are very similar, you've managed to uh, use a little bit of sort of clever design to make this vehicle look much more uh, aggressive at the front end and, and make it look, even though the hood is exactly the same height, uh, the, the lights shifting all the way down make that hood looks so much longer now yeah absolutely i think it's it's a testament julian thompson and our, our jack design team in the uk um they're absolute magicians um because the dimensions of the car haven't changed at all um but they've just made it look that much lower sleeker uh and wider um just through the, the adjustments that they made and, and i think it's a great effect to, to what you said did anything change on the inside Inside's fairly minor. Um, we've got some new materials, some new leathers. I think the biggest is on the tech side of things. Uh, we've gone to a high-def high instrument cluster um, that kind of fitting to the sports car. It starts off with a huge central tack, uh, but the driver can customize it all the way to a full-width uh, map. And then the other big thing is we've gone to software over the air so that all of the infotainment systems and everything can get updated from your driveway uh, instead of having to go into the dealer for any of those electronic up updates. Uh, let's ask about the one of the things I went to drive, I think, uh, some of the new Jaguars that you had out about four or five years ago. And one of the coolest features that I liked on the tech side was the fact that it could send messages home about how long until your arrival. So you could make sure those steaks were put on the barbecue just at the right time. So you walked in the door and it was just ready to eat. Do you still have that feature in the, in the new one? Yeah, absolutely. That's part of our whole in-control system. So we've, we've kept all of those, and, and then we just keep making things easier and simpler to use. So whether you want to do it through the, the JAG system, or, or we've also got Apple CarPlay and Android Auto, so if, if you want to be able to do any of the um, sharing of locations through Google Maps and things like that, you can also do that. Um, it's one of those. At the, at the heart, we want F-Type to – it's got to look sexy and, and be a fun drive. Um, but we recognize it's got to have the technology to make life easy out there on the road, too. Does it drive you crazy when people call it Jaguar? 
I, I've become numb to it at this point. <laughs> really, I, I I correct everybody. Uh, I correct everybody all the time, and they get it. It's how do you say it, Jen? Jaguar. It's <laughs> Jaguar, not I, Jaguar. I know. I always say Jaguar, and it always drives him crazy. Jaguar. I do it on purpose. <laughs> Jaguar. Absolutely. It, I, I don't know why it's one of those things. It, it's one of those things where I have to correct my spouse too quite regularly because my spouse is American, but it's all Jaguar. I want a Jaguar F type. It always feels to me like it's a disservice uh, to the brand as well when when people don't call it correctly. Um, who on the design team now? Because Ian retired, so who's heading up the Jag Jaguar design team? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, that's under Julian Thompson now. Um, so he was previously in charge of our advanced design studio, um, and he's been with Jaguar and Land Rover for quite a while. Um, and he's kind of taken taken the reins there um, after working on on Ian's team for for a long time, um, and I think he's just doing great things with the team. So I think you'll continue to see a lot of what you love out of Jag Design um, continuing on into the future under Julian's watch. Do you uh, do you think that uh, the SUVs are going to be uh, more plentiful? Because obviously everything's on on standby right now because of COVID nineteen. But uh, I always love the cars, and I know that SUVs would tend to be, especially in the in the, in the United States, have been much more uh, what people are looking for. I know that uh, when you came out with the F Pace, that it outsold all of your cars put together. But you still think there's a market for both cars and SUVs? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's one of those. Everyone has different tastes in, in vehicles. Um, and I think for us, it's what can we deliver that's true to the brand um, in terms of looks and performance and, and feel, um, but just in different shapes, uh, depending on what, what people are after. And that's where I think you mentioned the F-Pace. Um, it is. It, it continues to be our highest seller um, for Jaguar. Um, and it's one of those that we're extremely happy with in terms of it really holds true to the brand, but it just delivers it in a different package. And we're looking at what other packages we can bring in the future um, uh, that, that kind of go in that way, too, because we want to make sure that the brand stays relevant in 2020 and beyond. I actually really like the E-Pace as well. Um, uh, oh, yeah. I, I'm only five foot four, so I don't have to complain about having legroom anywhere I go. Uh, but the E-Pace is actually, uh, it's like the perfect size and still has that spirit. And I think one of the things that always puts a smile on my face is I remember when we were in Corsica on the launch of that vehicle, that one of the things that was said was the, uh, that the center console uh, fits two bottles of wine. <laughs> my favorite something you can say in Corsica right? it, well yeah but it also sort of leans towards that to me is the character of the brand right the the character of, of I mean as product planning you know that your products have to be a little bit cheeky I mean they are great performance vehicles they have a heritage they have you know I always tell people when I go back to the history of this, this company is that this is a company that started designing designing sidecars for motorcycles and when i look at those old swallow sidecars even to their day they looked like rocket ships i mean yeah. even when they didn't have a motor in and it was one wheel that attached to a motorcycle they still looked amazing and and the car company that's evolved out of that still makes amazing pieces of machinery so i think you know the brand has to be fairly cheeky and two bottles of wine in the center console is fairly cheeky to me <laughs> Uh, no, I'm, I'm I'm totally with you, and I think it's that emotional side of things. It's, I think we 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 try to make sure that we're making some very emotional products, 
um, that kind of spark the senses and um, either give you a laugh or just kind of draw you in uh, with things like that. So um, we're happy you remembered that one for sure. <laughs> um, the last time I was in Birmingham at the factory was 2006, I think. So I'm way overdue for a visit to the to the factory, the Jaguar factory. Is, is the new F-Type built in Birmingham? Uh, it's in our Castle Bromwich plant. Right. Uh, which is, I think, one of our oldest plants now, uh, but continues to evolve and get updated. Um, and we're ex- super excited about that one. So that's where, for a long time, we built uh, F-Type and XK before it. And uh, it's got a, a, a very great history. Um, but that, that continues to be where F-Type comes out of as well. Is that where the Hot Wheels version is made to? <laughs> no, that one's coming out of a different factory, but um, equally fun. <laughs> I have to go search for that. Is are they both? Is the Hot Wheels and the regular one available right now? Um, I believe the Hot Wheels one is. We'll we'll triple check that for you. Uh, right. But I know that they were working on the the updated version with the 2021 design, um, and that was one that we had at the Chicago Auto Show as well. Right. Um, so, but I know that was going into production shortly. Because you were you broke the world record for the most loops at the Chicago mm-hmm. Auto Show, which was pretty awesome. Is the 2021 full size F Type available? Yes, it is. <laughs> so that one we just started um, started arriving at dealers last month. All right, and how much is it going to cost me? Do I take a deep breath? I know. No, you can you can relax. It's um, it's actually starting at sixty one thousand six hundred, which is the same as the twenty model year price. Oh wow! So this is one of those where we've kind of taken all the updates and packaged them in and really maintained the price from year to year. When you meet my spouse, you realize that I'll be paying somewhere around ninety thousand for mine because uh, <laughs> because they, they always want the top of the line. Hey, listen, yeah, don't worry, don't worry, we can we can find you a good R. I bet you could, uh, Rob. Thank you for joining us. He is the head of Jaguar Product Planning, Rob Filipovic from Jaguar. Coming up, more our auto expert. What are you going to do with that car that's sitting in the driveway with a cover over it? We'll tell you how to store it properly. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast, this is America's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on mobile, or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert. I'm your host, Nick Miles, with Truck Girl Jen. Uh, many of us have not been driving as much as we would normally be outside of the COVID-19 pandemic. Our cars have been sitting in the driveway. So what does that mean for your vehicle? It's sitting there. It's not used. It's not loved. Nobody cares about it. Joining us on the phone, Jeff Searchmead, to take uh, talk about how to take care of those vehicles if we're not driving them. Jeff, have you been driving a lot less during the COVID-19 pandemic? Much less, in fact. Yeah, and uh, and I've been taking some steps because, as as you know, I have a little bit of a of an old car fetish, and so so I have a bunch of cars, and and I can't keep them all indoors all the time, and uh, so there are there are things you can do that will make sure that when you do go out to try and start your car and go somewhere that it actually starts up and. Uh, and runs for you. Well, let's first of all, let's go through what you own, Jeff. I'm making a list. Go. Oh, oh just, you know, old MGs, uh, an old pickup truck, uh, you know, stuff like that. Do you still have the Model T? I don't. I don't. I, I found a new home for the Model T for its 100th birthday. 
Oh, wow. Wow. Maybe you'll find a new home for me on my 100th birthday. Uh, <laughs> It'll all right. be in a home. So, so let's, <laughs> let's talk about this. So, so those beautiful cars that you have spent a life collecting, or perhaps just your own car that sits out there uh, on the driveway. The for everything. Right. Yeah. Uh, so what, what, what happens with those vehicles? What should we be thinking about? What should we be doing? Well, especially this time of year, you know, uh, it's still raining in in much of the uh, much of the world. Certainly here in the Northwest, where we are, uh, we're still getting quite a lot of rain. And so, you want to make sure that you fire up your car and get it warm at least every couple of days. Um, that and run the HVAC. You know, uh, turn the heat up on it and and really kind of uh, evaporate out that uh, moisture that's been condensing inside the car. That'll stop it from smelling bad when you finally do get in there and, you know, the wet on the inside of the windshield and all that that tends to happen if you leave a car sitting through the winter or the spring. Um, uh, I would say yeah. if you have remote yeah. start on your vehicle, that's pretty easy because you can just, you know, sit in your living room and start it from, from inside the house. But if you have to go out there, many people will be like, oh, maybe tomorrow. So, But you have yeah. to do it, right? Well, yeah, and if you can, you know, if it's if it's appropriate and legal where you are, um, take it out for a drive of just a couple miles um, every couple of days, and and that'll really help get it warmed up, get get everything, uh, keep everything flowing. But then there's some other things you can do while you're storing the car. One of the best is get yourself a battery tender, um, Optima and battery and the actual brand battery tender are both really good. Uh, the cheap ones you get in the, uh, in the, the cut rate uh, stores um, don't tend to work. Um, but if you get Optima or Battery Tender, they work really well. Those are the two brands that I use. And keep those batteries charged up. The single biggest problem is that, you know, the clock in your radio and, and a few other things in your car, if there's a security system, those are constantly using power. And if you let your car sit for a week, it can drain your battery. Um, so keep the batteries charged up, and then everything works better when you go to try and start it. Another thing you can do is keep that fuel tank full. Um, water will condense inside on the inside of the fuel tank uh, if there's air in it, because air contains water. Uh, if you can keep your, your tank full of gas or diesel um, while, you're, while you've got it in storage, you're a little bit better off with that, in that regard, especially with diesels. Which which have a big problem with uh, with condensing water. Do and do does fuel go bad after a while? Well, it does, but it takes months. It'll okay. it's months before you have to worry about that. Um, if you were storing a car for six months, yes, you can buy fuel stabilizer at the auto parts store. But uh, for for something that you're pretty much daily driving, you you shouldn't have to worry about that. Well, uh, especially if you're driving it every few days and, and, you know, putting some more gas in as needed to keep it full. Um, the other thing you can do, of course, is keep it in a garage. If you have a garage and a dry place, you're, you're way ahead, right? Then you, do, you have a place to plug in the battery tender, and when you go out, your car will be ready to drive. Now, you also say keep your vehicle locked. Yeah, well, that's just basic, right? That's that's whether or not we're in COVID nineteen or not. Um, you in know, your garage, though, you're in your garage. Oh, not necessarily in your garage. In your garage, you can be a little a little more uh, lenient about that sort of thing. 
But if you're parking in the driveway or on the street, always lock your car. Don't leave anything visible, uh, especially nothing valuable in your car. Um, you know, there's uh, there's always there's always somebody that's going to be out there uh, trying door to, handles, uh, yeah, burglarize cars and, and trying door handles. Yeah, we have we have a good deterrent for that at my house. It's called a really yeah. big German Shepherd. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Um, you know, and the other thing is, if you're parking on the street, check your local laws. If, if you're sheltering in place and you park your car on the street, uh, the police may assume that it's derelict if it's not been moved in several weeks, especially right. if, you know, uh, if it's not the newest car on the block. Yes, and and I like the uh, the thing here, especially if it's a bit of a hoopty. Uh, if you have an older yeah. car, you probably want to move it around uh, for a while. Everyone's laughing yeah. at that hoopty. Well, you know, <laughs> both, both Jenna and Jordan have hoopties, just like yes. you know. <laughs> so in Battleground, Washington, it's three days because I got a warning on my truck, oh. my older truck. You have to move it every three days? Yes, it has to be moved. So now I just drive it an inch forward and an inch back. I oh. just put little marks on the ground. There you go. All right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Jeff, are you driving all of your 400 cars every uh, couple of days? You know, I try to cycle through um, them, but I'm I'm I've not been so good lately since we've been on stay-at-home orders um, about about getting the cars driven. But I do have them all on battery tenders, so that when I do go out to drive them, um, they'll be they'll be ready to go. Yeah. All you need to do is get a dog. Then you'd have to take it to the park every day, and uh, or take it to the beach every day, or on a hike every day. And then you'd take the cars out. I'll see if I can get you, you a puppy. I'll see if I can get you a puppy, Jeff. <laughs> Jeff Zerchmead, thank you for joining us. Uh, where can we read the majority of your stuff, Jeff? You can read my uh, you can read my work at uh, at the PortlandTribune.com. That's the newspaper I write for here in Portland, Oregon. Um, look down the right hand side, find the link for Wheels, and click through. Um, right. And, you know, now that you mention it, I think I'm going to write all this up in an article for the Tribune and put it on that Wheels site. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show at Our Auto Expert website, ourautoexpert.com. We can have all of those past shows available for you, plus our TV segments, which air weekly on uh, television stations across the United States. And, of course, the, uh, the great social media channels where... Jen does all the cool social media news as well. Thank you for that, by the way. You're welcome. Uh, General Motors announced it has partnered with Ventec and has been working around the clock to secure the parts needed to make ventilators, machines. Uh, GM has retooled its 20 or 2.6 million square foot plant in Kokomo, Indiana, to start production of the ventilators in less than two weeks. Dan Flores is the manager of GM Corporate News Relations. Uh, Dan, is it wrong to call General Motors an automotive manufacturer anymore because you guys seem to be pitching in to help with what's needed? Yeah, you know, certainly in these unprecedented times, uh, you know, we are not building cars, trucks, or crossovers right now. But uh, as you indicated, we are getting prepared to begin uh, ventilator production, critical care ventilator production in Kokomo, Indiana. 
And that's a, it's pretty incredible. Why? What makes the Kokomo plant the best plant to do this in? Because obviously, uh, the, much of the country is is covered in GM plants that produce all of these vehicles normally. So why why was Kokomo the best place to make the ventilators? Yeah. So uh, Kokomo made sense for for two main reasons. They had capacity, or, or they had room in their in their facility. And probably more importantly, the workforce, and there's about 300 employees at the plant there in Kokomo, they have a long history of building precision electronic components for automotive. So, um, you know, it, and, uh, so it, it, it became pretty obvious that if we were going to do it, if we were going to try to help out, we were going to try to help Vintech build ventilators, then uh, this was the place to do it. And, uh, and as you indicated, since this project kicked off on Friday, March 20th, we've had hundreds of people working around the clock, uh, not only preparing the facility, but, but hiring the people that will build the ventilators. And at the same time, uh, figuring out how we're going to build it. Because as, as, you, as you said, you know, we build cars and trucks and crossovers. We don't build ventilators. But in this time of need, you know, we, it, it's important that everyone kind of look to see how their expertise can can help others, and you know we have uh, we have uh, you know significant manufacturing experience. We built built products for over a hundred years, and with that, you know, because we build a millions of vehicles uh, a year, we buy a lot of stuff. So we have a lot of purchasing power. So through the help of our purchasing organization to acquire materials as well as the manufacturing expert expertise uh we're, we're going to build ventilators so we're uh you know we hope to start uh some validation builds uh th- this past week we we brought in the first hundred people we're training them we're setting up the facility and uh and then we're hoping for some uh some prototype or not even the prototype some va- validation builds so practice builds so we'll take the parts assemble them and make sure when it's all said and done, the ventilators work. But by by mid-April, so uh, within a couple of weeks, we're going to be building ventilators that will uh, ultimately end up at hospitals, uh, you know, helping people fight COVID-19. I and first of all, America thanks you for your uh, participation in some of the relief effort. This is uh, unprecedented. Uh, not since the Second World War have we seen this sort of thing happen in factories. But at the same time, GM has, as a as a group of companies, has an amazing ability. If you think of the, the normal uh, car, truck, or SUV that has around two thousand parts in it, you have an amazing network of truckers, of warehouses, of subsidiaries of acquisition teams, of shipping teams. Uh, there's an awful lot that you can bring to the table, not just your manufacturing and assembly. Well, well sure. You know, uh, you know uh, across the U.S., across North America, across the globe, we have uh, tens of thousands of employees that, you know, have an expertise, you know, in their own right. And, you know, uh, not only are we, you know, going to build ventilators in Kokomo, Indiana, at our Warren, Michigan uh, manufacturing location, we're building masks. And uh, we're once we're up and running, and we're actually, uh, we were running some practice runs this week, you know, practice builds. But beginning next week, well, we're going to build, have the ability to build more than 50,000 surgical masks per day. So, yeah, you know, we're, we're in the end, we're just trying to 
utilize our talents, you know, from a company perspective to see where we can help out. And, you know, th- this is a time where everyone needs to, to come together and, 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 you know, kind of focus on what everyone can do for the greater good. And, you know, we're, we're trying to do our part. And at, at this point in time, that's, you know, helping Ventec build more ventilators and then building sur- surgical masks and, and looking for other opportunities to, to make other medical goods as well. Uh, in obviously, we only have uh, and sales. Uh, although most people were hit horribly with uh, with sales uh, numbers in March, uh, GM fared better than many people. But uh, with all the the car manufacturing down so much, and there are only a certain amount of car supply available on dealer lots, uh, is there a light at the end of the tunnel that you may get back to what do you do best, which is making some of the best uh, trucks, cars, and SUVs in America? Well, you know, we're you know we're we're certainly hopeful that you know uh, we're going to be building ventilators and masks for a short period of time. You know, we'll we'll get through this, and then once we get through it, you know, we we can, you know, we can re- return to what what is our normal life, which is you know, uh, building cars, trucks, and crossovers. So we, we know we'll, we'll get back to that if everyone does their part. You know, if everyone tries to stay safe and, and the social distancing and washing your hands and, and doing, doing everything, you know, the, the, that the government's telling us to do in, in these very unprecedented times. But, you know, we'll, we'll get back to it, uh, we'll, you know, when that time is right. You know, certainly we, we won't resume production until we're absolutely sure that our employees are going to be safe. So, you know, that that's one of the interesting things that we're doing in Kokomo. We're putting very significant uh, safety protocols in place so uh, our our you know our, our, our employees at Kokomo that are going to build the ventilators that are so much needed we have to make sure that they're safe and, and they don't get sick so uh, some of the protocols that we're putting in place you know certainly could be utilized in the, in hopefully the not so distant future when, when we're back to doing what we do best and that's you know building cars trucks and crossovers. I, uh, I hope the opportunity will arise because um, one of my stations uh, that runs my TV segments twice a week is uh, is Fox 59 in Indianapolis, and I'm there uh-huh. very, very regularly to visit them. And I hope sometime in the future that we can uh, we can make a visit to the Kokomo plant. And I'd like to thank all of those workers personally for, uh, for stepping up and helping do this because it's absolutely incredible. And the fact is that ultimately at the end of this, you are are actually going to save lives in America. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, and, and, I, and again, I think that's when it, when it comes back or what it comes back to is just, you know, uh, looking for ways that we can help out with the greater good and with, with the company's manufacturing expertise and, and our purchasing power and, and really just a lot of dedicated people that, that want to help and, and do their part to get everyone through this. I think so, uh, it's it's no. outstanding, Dan. It's absolutely outstanding, and I'm I'm very proud of the fact that uh, you guys have stepped up to do this. Uh, really, in the time of need, that America needs you the most. So, a 2.6 million square foot plant is being used. Part of that plant is now being used to make those ventilators. Uh, Dan Flores is the manager at GM Corporate Communications. It's so refreshing in these really difficult times to see an awful lot of uh, our manufacturers, especially at General. 
Motors stepping up to make these uh, these appliances and to help hospitals. And the fact is that we know that these people are burning through their uh, number of surgical masks. In fact, I had a dog that had to have emergency surgery this week and they tried to uh, put it off, uh, to put the urgent surgery off because they wanted to make sure that uh, they didn't use their gloves and masks so they could be used in a regular human hospital. But uh, unfortunately, we needed to go forward. So General Motors, America thanks you for participating in some of the relief and making those Ventec ventilators. When we come back, Honda is going to make a BEV on GM's platform in GM plants. Plus, Tesla reports for the first quarter what they sold. Are car sales as bad as we think? Numbers are in. We'll talk about that next on Our Auto Expert. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert podcast. Our auto expert is on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you can start a conversation with us, ask us a question, just direct message us at Our Auto Expert. We get a lot of those every week, and we uh, hopefully answer many of them and book guests who have the informative answers. Anton Wallman is an independent analyst and investor. He writes for Seeking Alpha and The Street. You can read many of his articles there, quite provocative, some of them, and also thinking outside the box. He's joining us, as he does every week, to talk about what's going on in the electric car, the uh, car technology, AI, production, manufacturing, and the financial end of the business. So, Anton, looks like Honda are going to make battery electric vehicles on a GM platform in GM plants. This seems to be a strange thing to do. Are they building them or is GM building them? What's the story here? Yeah, so the fundamental backdrop to what's going on here is that developing an all-new electric car architecture is extremely expensive. And then, of course, making them is going to be potentially also very expensive, seeing as there's a very wide span of outcomes in terms of how many cars will actually be sold and will the regulatory uh, environment that requires automakers to effectively make a certain volume of these, will that regulatory environment change or not? So it makes sense in this new and uncertain world for automakers to pool their resources in this regard. And you have seen similar agreements that Ford has struck between themselves and with Volkswagen, where they will be making a car in Europe based on a Volkswagen platform, as well as with Rivian, where they have a, somewhat of a similar agreement. So this basically takes what Ford did with Rivian and Volkswagen and transposes it to uh, what Honda and uh, General Motors will be making together. In this particular case, it is a GM platform that will be manufactured inside one or multiple GM factories. And then Honda will essentially design the car, the sort of so-called top hat, the body and its interior. All right. So let's, uh, you know, one of the things that's been talked about this week is the relaxing of some of the fuel economy standard rules. Do you think that will have a bearing on whether these sort of projects with electric and alternative fuel vehicles move forward if some of those rules are relaxed or relaxed even more? No, they will not. Certainly not in the short term. And I'll tell you why. Because in the United States, we effectively have two separate regulatory regimes. We have one federal regime that really covers the average of what happens nationwide. And then we have a separate regulatory regime that is led by California, but signed on to by about a dozen or so other states. And that second 
regulatory regime that is separate really mandates specifically that automakers must make a certain percentage or sell a certain percentage of its vehicle going forward, uh, they need to be 100% zero tailpipe emissions. So they need to be either 100% battery electric or hydrogen fuel cell. And the change in the regulatory regime that occurred here this last week uh, really pertained only to the nationwide average standard. So automakers would be relaxed in what they would need to achieve uh, for those other 35 or so states uh, in the out years. But it doesn't change what they have to do in these other 12 or 15 states that have this other separate and more stringent set of requirements. Now, with manufacturing suspended of a lot of car companies in the minute that we have left in this segment of the show, do you think things like uh, the Mark E from Ford will be coming this year or are we going to see them push back into 2021? The only delays that are possible for a program such as the Maki would be a logistical manufacturing delay that would be as a result of the virus and its impact on the supply chain. No near-term plans will change otherwise. Of course, that does leave the question, will there be any such virus-specific related supply chain disruptions? Uh, that remains to be seen. So far, we don't know of any, but I wouldn't bet against some delay happening there, but they would be as minimal as possible, and they wouldn't pertain to any of those changes in regulation, at least not in the near term. Are we going to see then the marquee arriving this fall as scheduled? Uh, unless there are any of these delays, production right. would start in August, and we would see them in the U.S. retail dealerships roughly at the end of October. Excellent. Uh, Anton Wallman is an independent analyst and investor. You can read most of his stuff at the street. When we come back, we're going to talk about five other significant stories, including Tesla's report for Q1 sales, the uh, sleeper EV of 2021, uh, how Chevrolet did when GM did in pickup sales, because it was something we did not expect in the first quarter. Uh, Toyota RAV4, their hybrid version, and something we didn't expect to see from Ford after its launch was abysmal. That's all coming up when we return at Our Auto Expert. Of course, you can go onto the website, read many of these stories at ourautoexpert.com, or you can see our TV segments right there online. Coming up with Anton Wallman, more in a moment. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Are you thinking about changing your car? Read more reviews at OurAutoExpert.com. You can see the videos of the nearest tech, the latest cars, and you can even download the Nation's Car Radio podcast at OurAutoExpert.com. On the phone with us, Anton Wallman. He's an independent analyst and investor, and he brings us up to date with what's happening in the automotive industry. So let's get into it with Tesla's report for Q1. Good, bad, or ugly? Well, it all depends on your perspective, Nick. Uh, basically, they sold 88,400 cars under whichever revenue recognition definition that was in place this last quarter. That was down from 112,000 last quarter. And you may recall that roughly as the last quarter ended, the company added an entire additional factory located in Shanghai, China, which is uh, producing about three car, 3,000 cars. Uh, per week, they say. So despite having added an additional factory 
uh, sales fell by about 21%. So that would be some of the bearish uh, argument here in terms of what happened. Uh, the optimistic side of the coin would be that a year ago, the company only sold 63,000 cars. So that's a nice increase from what it was last year. Keep in mind that last year with that 63,000 number was a huge miss that was uh, beaten by much larger numbers both before and after that date. So I don't think that that is an apt comparison. So I think in this case, I think that uh, this is not a particularly good number for Tesla, although certainly not the kind of catastrophe it could have been either, all of which, of course, is almost irrelevant as we look to what's going to happen here starting imminently when you have to ask yourself the question, how many people in a world of both uh, record low gasoline prices and focus on sturdier, perhaps uh, uh, more rugged vehicles that have a lower risk for them are really going to go out and buy an expensive electric car going forward? With the money that Tesla borrowed to get themselves uh, into this business, are they on schedule to pay it back or are they still going to have to borrow more to cover their loans? Well, their loans, their bonds, and other obligations, most of them are not coming due here in the very near term. So I don't think that that is the number one problem at hand in the very short term for the next two or three quarters here. However, uh, you have to look at the valuation of the company if uh, sales should fall precipitously from this 88000 a quarter level that the company just reported here for the first quarter. At some point, people have to say, we're paying an enormous premium valuation here. The company has a market capitalization of about $80 billion, and Ford is below 20 and uh, General Motors is barely above about $25 billion. So the company is valued at many, many times uh, General Motors and Ford combined. And typically we assign a valuation like that for a company that is experiencing what stock market investors tend to call hypergrowth, a company that is growing quarter after quarter by significant double-digit percentages. And if the company is no longer growing at these significant double-digit percentages, not year over year, but from one quarter to the next, then why should we be, we be paying a hyper-growth type valuation? That is uh, kind of the dilemma that the investors are debating as we speak. All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, this this vehicle I saw uh, released at the Tokyo Auto Show last year. It was a concept at that point. Uh, you're calling it the sleeper EV for 2021, the Nissan Aria. So it's getting closer and closer to a production date. These often seem like pie-in-the-sky vehicles, but this is going to be a reality? Yeah, so uh, you know, Nissan has been been fairly quiet about its concrete production plans about this mainstream compact crossover all electric SUV, and uh, you should, however, understand that uh, the current product that they have, the Nissan Leaf, which is one of their couple of all electric cars that they're selling in most geographies around the world. The other one would be the uh, small work van, the EV200, that's selling very well in Europe. Uh, they make that vehicle in three separate factories, one in Japan, one in Tennessee, and one in uh, the United Kingdom. And still to this date, there's no other electric vehicle that is made in three separate factories on three separate continents around the world. So when uh, Nissan is going to 
switch over the production away from the leaf and into this all new model, it could be a very potent uh, force in the market and uh, uh, really their first attractive product ever since the leaf came out. I mean, the leaf was a bit of a dud, as you may remember. People didn't like the styling. And even though it sold, you know, okay, it certainly could have sold a lot better if it had looked better. And now they're coming out with an all wheel drive compact crossover that uh, certainly the concept car is absolutely super beautiful. And I think that this will open up the door for Nissan to become the leading force yet again in the all-electric vehicle space. All right. The Q1 uh, numbers have arrived for the first quarter for sales. Uh, The first two months did pretty well, but the third month, and it depends how you have to extrapolate these because many companies just report the entire quarter and don't break out the months. But the companies that do break out the months, they were down uh, significantly, uh, some of as much as 50 percent year over year. That's right. So a couple of curiosities here, Nick. So you pointed out that some companies um, report report monthly, some companies report only quarterly, and now we have two brands, and we're talking strictly about the United States now, that haven't reported even the quarter yet. I mean, Jaguar, Land Rover, and, and then Mercedes, neither company has reported U.S. sales results for any portion of the first quarter yet. So uh, there, there are a couple. Of, that's a pretty extreme scenario that I, I can't remember that has ever happened in the history here. But uh, anyway, going back to the main point, and that is that if you look at the pickup truck business, it actually was up two percent. If you add them all up, Nissan, Toyota, Honda, Fiat Chrysler, General Motors, and Ford, all of them combined. They were actually up 2%, and within that segment for full-size pickup trucks, not the mid-size ones, but the full-size ones, General Motors was up a whopping 27% year over year. So General Motors really had a banner quarter here, uh, and uh, that is, uh, you know, you can ask yourself why. And, of course, you know, commercial needs are sometimes more uh, dire and important than our personal leisure needs. So if you need a new vehicle for your construction business or something, then you you're really have to make a move to make it happen. Also, the geographical distribution, you know that 25% of all pickup trucks are sold just in the state of Texas. And Texas overall has been on less of a shutdown and lockdown mode than many of the other states. So in terms of how sales came to a halt, maybe in California and New York and a couple of other areas like that, where people buy most of the pickup trucks, uh, the environment looked not quite as horrific all the way till the end of the quarter. So that may help explain why pickup trucks clearly and dramatically outperform all the other segments here as uh, the first quarter grew to a close. So what's the explanation of Chevrolet and GMC making such big gains when they had really lost their second place overall status and dropped to third place last year, but it looks like they're on track to regain some of their future uh, past glory yeah this is the first quarter in a long long time i can't remember when they last outsold the the ford f-series which is what they did here in the first quarter i think the simple explanation is new product uh both the um uh, 1500 the half ton as well as the heavy duty the 2500 and 3500 pickup trucks from gm were basically pretty new uh, as uh 2020 started uh, drawing to a close, and the Ford F-Series is a bit long in the tooth, so I think it's just fresh product is really what mattered here. All right, let's turn our eyes to Toyota, because they seem to be uh, hitting it out of the park with their hybrid RAV4. That's right. So you remember when the uh, RAV4 hybrid in the second generation launched in November of 2018, and the company set a goal saying, 
well, about 25% is what we hope uh, is going to be our hybrid mix going forward. And uh, guess what? In the first quarter of this year, uh, they're certainly right around the 25% mark. So uh, that really is a very good performance for Toyota's hybrid business in particular and the RAV4 franchise overall did very well, by the way. I mean, they were actually up this quarter year over year when almost every single competitor was down. So the RAV4 was the leading non-pickup truck uh, selling the plat- uh, nameplate in the United States before, and now they, they expanded their lead here in the first quarter pretty dramatically. So kudos to Toyota for milking the RAV4 franchise dramatically, both the hybrid and the non-hybrid versions. All right. Uh, before we turn our, our eyes to uh, one portion of Ford, I want to talk a little bit about the Explorer. Uh, it's not the Explorer, the uh, the Bronco. The Bronco was supposed to be uh, revealed on, on Friday. It never happened because of COVID-19. They've pushed the reveal of the vehicle to 20, uh, 2020 May, uh, where th- we're expecting to still be able to do it, but that's still kind of up in the air, depending on how things evolve over the next few weeks. So so uh, do we know any more about the Bronco? We know that pictures were rele- leaked of the of the Bronco. Do we know any more stats on it, or is it still uh, Ford struggling to keep a, ca- a lid on this cam? Well, there were so many uh, prod- uh, pictures that leaked one, two, three, four weeks ago that there's hardly anything more left to be seen of this product other than learning a little bit more about the configuration, the details, and what's under the skin, such as the powertrain situation. So now we now have two vehicles that are on schedule uh, for uh, a formal reveal in uh, in May, and that is not just the Bronco, but also the, uh, the GMC Hummer, which is scheduled for, I think, the 20th of May. And uh, we'll see if these dates hold or whether they they will have to be pushed out yet again. I at this point I'm sort of of the belief that I think they will hold and we will uh, we will see them in, in that time frame in one format or the other because at some point they can't really hold up these things. They need to be able to unmask these things to take hundreds and hundreds of final final pre-production units out on tests around the country without any uh, uh, significant camouflage. And to do that, they need to have to really unveil them properly. And I think that's what's going to happen here uh, pretty soon. Now, Ford made significant losses uh, last year, and uh, one of the, the reasons they put down that to was a poor launch of their new Explorer. Its sales had not done well. The vehicle had not done as expected after it was the number one selling SUV for a while, but that seems to have reversed in the third row. It overtook uh, the Toyota Highlander in the first quarter uh, to have some very different sales figures than they experienced at the end of last last year that's right so you may recall that back in about june or so uh ford uh, unveiled the two sister vehicles the ford explorer and the uh, lincoln uh, aviator most were liked by the media and those who uh, took part in the first test drives i mean the vehicles drive very well and all uh however they're all both made in the same factory in chicago those are the only two vehicles that are made in that factory and they've had an enormous amount of quality problems coming out of that factory throughout the fall and uh, that may have changed recently, but that has caused that cost an enormous amount of expense for Ford to remediate these vehicles that are taken to a separate site and go through them and fix all sorts of problems, basically things that should never be allowed to happen in an automotive factory. So it was uh, therefore a bit surprising that I saw here in the first quarter that for the first time in a while, the Ford Explorer overtook the crown for the, the three-row SUV segment away from the um, the Toyota Highlander. Now, of course, the Toyota Highlander was kind of in the middle of a of a generational shift as well. The all new Highlander went on sale a week before Christmas, and then the hybrid version not until March. So 
Uh, Toyota was a little bit flat-footed this quarter, and so these things may reverse here already very, very soon. But nevertheless, it looks like Ford kind of must have gotten its act back together. And I never saw any signs of this before I actually saw the numbers. So it was a bit of a surprise. Anton Wallman is an independent analyst and investor. You can read the majority of his stuff at the street or seekingalpha.com. Anton, thank you for keeping us informed. Please go to the website and check them out each week because he does have some very um, innovative stories and they make me think an awful lot. If you want to hear more of our show, you can go to ourautoexpert.com. You can see the TV reports that we do. Also, you can read some great articles that we have, uh, even if you want to get away from it all in a nice air stream. There's a great article there by Perry Stern about how he escaped into the wilderness in the Northwest in his brand new Airstream. We'll be back again next week. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles. Find all the show episodes at ourautoexpert.com. Please follow us on all social media, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at our auto expert and message us for a quick and witty response. Yeah.